anything that I'm, 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 I'm going to be respectful. I'm, I'm going to do good things. But I got to preach two weeks in a row. This, this is a first, and so I count it an honor and privilege to do so, um, and so I'm grateful for the opportunity, but let's continue to pray for the DR trip and Pastor Jerry as they're gone uh, daily, remembering what God is doing in and through them. So as I get to speak today, I want to, uh, this is part one of the two-part series, and the title of today's message is Building Blocks to Spiritual Maturity, basically growing as believers in Jesus. So this is part one today. If you want to follow along with your notes, you can do so a couple different ways. If you came in today and you received a paper program, there's notes on the back of that program. So feel free to fill that in if you like. You can follow along there. Or you could go to our church website. If you haven't done this before, it's really easy. You can go to wfa.church and you select the resources tab. Then you select live stream. And then there you'll see a spot where you can take notes and follow along. Do it either way. Just join in with me. I don't want to be preaching to myself, although I do preach to myself anytime uh, we get up here and we preach the word of God is to ourselves, not just to you. So we are all learning and growing in Jesus. But this is a great way for us to apply what we learn and what we hear is when we dive in together. So in just a moment, we're going to look at Second uh, Peter chapter 1 where Peter mentions eight specific building blocks to spiritual growth. He talks about that. But before we do that, um, we're going to jump into a different portion of Scripture. And this week, I'm only going to sh uh, share the first four blocks, and then next week, we'll add the additional building blocks. So having pastored for 25 years, and it's hard to even believe I can say those words. I've been in pastoral ministry for 25 years that's a long time. Now, it's hard to say that because I realize I'm 50, and I got some gray hair, and I know that, um, you know, on Father's Day, I'm thankful for my children, but someday I will be a grandpa. That could happen. I'm excited for that. But in 25 years of ministry, I've witnessed some pretty amazing things. I've seen some things that, that are really miraculous in 25 years, I've, I've witnessed things like God repairing and restoring marriages. I've seen instances where God has called prodigal children's home and mended that family. I've seen times where, where, where God has uh, healed someone who has struggled with life addictions and he's, he set them free. I've seen physical healings that have taken place. I mean, just, there's so many different things that we've seen. And we know that those are a, a result, an act uh, from a loving hand of God towards his people. To those who will call on his name. I've witnessed those things, but probably one of the greatest miracles that I've ever seen with my eyes is when someone gives their heart to Jesus and they, live to, they want to live to serve God. To have their sins forgiven and experience new life. That's one of the greatest miracles ever. Because really it's a mystery how that even can happen. How Jesus, who died for us, and shed his blood for us, how that can be applied to our lives and how because of his sacrifice, we can walk in freedom that he purchased for us. It's a mystery how that happens, but it happened. And it's a, a miracle that none of us could have come up with on our own. We couldn't have died for our own sins. It was a miraculous thing. And so when we see someone who is set free and they receive Christ as Lord, it's one of the greatest miracles we'll ever see. But here's another observation I have from 25 years of ministry. Maybe you've seen it too. I've witnessed people 
who have become Christians, they've accepted Christ, and they made him Lord over their lives, but they never grow or advance beyond that initial point. You know what I'm talking about? Have you seen that before? They, they come to know Christ, they are born again, but they never grow on before from there. So we're going to be, begin in uh, the book of John first this morning before we get to our main scripture. John chapter 3, verses 1 through 17. And in this portion of scripture, Jesus and a man named Nicodemus have a very important conversation. And we're going to read about what Jesus told Nicodemus. So John chapter 3, verses 1 through 17. A lot of scripture this morning, everyone. Um, I think you need more scripture and less of me. So we're just going to bathe this thing in scripture this morning. We need to hear what God has to say to us. So John 3, verse 1. There was a man named Nicodemus, a Jewish religious leader who was a Pharisee. After dark one evening, he came to speak with Jesus. Rabbi, he said, we all know that God has sent you to teach us. Your miraculous signs are evidence that God is with you. Jesus replied, I tell you the truth. Unless you are born again, you cannot see the kingdom of God. What do you mean? exclaimed Nicodemus. How can an old man go back into his mother's womb and be born again? Jesus replied, I assure you, no one can enter the kingdom of God without being born of water and the Spirit. Humans can reproduce only human life, but the Holy Spirit gives birth to spiritual life. So don't be surprised when I say you must be born again. The wind blows wherever it wants. Just as you can hear the wind but can't tell where it's coming from or where it is going, so you can't explain how people are born again. How are these things possible, Nicodemus asked. Jesus replied, you are a respected Jewish teacher, and yet you don't understand these things? I assure you, we tell you what we know and have seen, and yet you won't believe our testimony. If you, won't, if you don't believe me when I tell you about earthly things, how can you possibly believe if I tell you about heavenly things? No one has ever gone to heaven and returned, but the Son of Man has come down from heaven. And as Moses lifted up the bronze snake on a pole in the wilderness, so the Son of Man must be lifted up, so that everyone who believes in him will have eternal life. Verse 16, I think we've heard this one before. For this is how God loved the world. He gave his one and only Son, so that everyone who believes in him will not perish, but have eternal life. God sent his Son into the world, not to judge or to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. What a conversation that he had with Nicodemus. Now, being Father's Day and all this talk about uh, new birth, I wish we had a, a, a dad in the uh, attendance today who had a young infant child with them. I wish we had somebody of that kind of makeup in our... Wait a second. Zachary Kruger in Oren. Won't you guys come up here with me? Come on up here for a second. Come on, let's give them a hand. <clears throat> Zachary and Oren Kruger. Happy Father's Day, Zach. It's your first one. Woohoo! Amazing. He's, a, he's asleep. Shh. 
Now, for just a moment, I want you to assume that you do not know the Krugers. You don't know Maria, you don't know Zachary, you don't know Orin. Just assume that you don't, that, don't know them. And you are being introduced for the very first time right here, right now. And I said, hey, this is Zachary and this is Orin. And I, wanna, I want you to know something about Orin. Orin is three years old. No, I, actually, no, in fact, Orin is 10 years old. If that were truly the case, if he was 10 years old, there would be something wrong, wouldn't there be? There would be something wrong. But what if I would tell you that Oren represents us spiritually, right? Okay, he, he represents us spiritually. Listen, listen to this, okay? Um, we are born again, but have we ever grown? Have we ever advanced beyond this stage spiritually? Have we? That's why we're here today. We're going to talk about some of these things, some practical steps on how to grow in spiritual maturity. Now, there's really nothing that Zachary or Maria can do to make him grow up any faster physically. There's not much that they can do. That's, that's, that's a physical reality. He will mature, but it'll take a long time for him to go from this to this. <laughs> it takes time. But spiritually speaking, it's different. As newborn babies in Jesus... Our process of maturity is much different, okay? Our spiritual progress and growth depends on us. We have a role to play in it. We determine how fast we will grow based upon our actions and our faith steps. So physically, it's going to take him some time. It's going to take a while for him to grow. But spiritually, we determine how fast we will grow. And it's true that some people give their hearts to Jesus and they just jump into the word and they start to grow and they will surpass, they will grow faster than people who've known the Lord 10, 15, 20, 25 years because, I'll say it again, we determine how fast we will grow based on our faith steps in Jesus, okay? So we're going to talk about the day. We're going to talk about how we do that. Would you give a nice light clap to Oren and Zachary today for coming up today? Thanks, you guys. He's asleep. I didn't realize he was going to sleep through that. <laughs> Let's jump to 2 Peter. This is our main scripture for today. 2 Peter chapter 1, verses 1 through 11. But I'm going to skip the first two verses because they are an introduction from Peter. And we're going to jump in right at verse 3. 2 Peter chapter 1. Let's start reading at verse 3. God's divine power has given us everything we need to live a truly religious or godly life through our knowledge of the one who called us to share in his own glory and goodness. In this way, he has given us the very great and precious gifts he promised, so that by means of these gifts, you may escape from the destructive lust that is in this world and may come to share in the divine nature. For this very reason, you should do your best to add goodness to your faith. To your goodness, add knowledge. To your knowledge, add self-control. To your self-control, add endurance. To your endurance, add godliness. To your godliness, add Christian affection. And to your Christian affection, add love. These are the qualities you need, and if you have them in abundance, they will make you active and effective in your knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. But if you do not have them, you are so short-sighted that you cannot see that you have forgotten that you have been purified from your past sins. So then, my friends, this is to us, 
Try even harder to make God's call and his choice of you a permanent experience. If you do, you will never abandon your faith. In this way, you will be given the full right to enter the kingdom of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Let's pray over this message. Father, we thank you again for today. Pray that you allow me just to share these thoughts um, from you, Lord. I just want to be a mouthpiece, a conduit to what you are speaking into the life of your church today. So, Father, I pray that uh, we will hear, that we will receive. And not only will we hear and receive, but, God, that we will allow your word to penetrate our hearts. And, Lord, may it shape us and form us to what you want us to be in you. And we thank you for this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Verses 5 through 7 again, these are the building blocks. This is what it says. For this very reason, do your best to add goodness to your faith. To your goodness, add knowledge. To your knowledge, add self-control. To your self-control, add endurance. To your endurance, add godliness. To your godliness, add Christian affection. And to your Christian affection, add love. These blocks are a prescription, if you will, for spiritual growth and maturity. It's what Peter is giving us in our scriptures today. So I want to show you something here. What if I wasn't feeling good and I went to the walk-in clinic and I was seen by a doctor and they ran their tests and did all the things they're supposed to do and he said, oh, you've got strep throat. And so I'm going to write you out this prescription. So he writes out a prescription that I can't read, but the people at the pharmacy amazingly can, you know, so they see this. And I take, you know, and so I have this paper. And so if I take this and I go home and I say, man, I've got this strep throat. I haven't been feeling good. You know, this is really fantastic. And I just set it on the kitchen counter and forget about it. Who's at fault if I don't get better? <laughs> Me, obviously, right? I just throw it to the side. I never, I never do anything with this prescription. It's, it's my fault. Now, if I leave this prescription sitting on the counter... It's useless to me. It will have no effect on my life or on my health. But it's the same with this prescription that Peter is giving us today here in chapter 2. If we want to grow as believers in Jesus, we must follow the written directions and instructions. You see, if I get a prescription, it's going to give me some instructions on that prescription. It's going to tell me how often I need to take it. You know, time of day, if I need to eat it with food, it's going to be beneficial to me in the same way Peter is giving us instructions. He's giving us prescriptions. We need to follow the written instructions and go after that. So with that in mind, we're going to look at the first building block today, and that is the building block of faith. Block one is faith. We sing a song at church here sometimes. We didn't sing it this morning. But the lyrics say this, I believe in God the Father. I believe in Christ the Son. I believe in the Holy Spirit our God is three in one. I believe in the resurrection that we will rise again, for I believe in the name of Jesus. It goes on to say, I believe in life eternal. I believe in the virgin birth. I believe in the saints' communion and in your holy church. I believe in the resurrection when Jesus comes again, for I believe in the name of Jesus. It's a song and a proclamation of faith. It's a lot like the Apostles' Creed from so long ago. It's a statement of faith. The base of our relationship, friends, with Jesus begins with faith. That is the beginning point. We must believe 
that he died for our sins, and that he rose from the grave victoriously. If we have faith, we must believe that. We must believe that he is alive today and that he wants to have a personal relationship with us. Those are must-haves if you're going to have faith. 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verses 1 through 11 says, Because of God's grace to me, I have laid the foundation like an expert builder. Now others are building on it, but whoever is building on this foundation must be very careful. For no one can lay a foundation other than the one that we already have in Christ Jesus. He is our foundation. In fact, the most important aspect of any building is its foundation. Have you ever seen what happens to a house when its foundation is compromised and there's problems with the foundation and it settles and it cracks? It kind of looks like this sometimes. You could have a house that has permanent air conditioning. That, they got issues. They got trouble. That's what can happen on the outside. It can begin to crack. You can have problems with your foundation. And then on the inside, it can start to crack as well. And you need a whole lot of stucco to try to fix that. But you can't because the problem is with the foundation itself. There are complete businesses that will come in. They will lift up a house that has a bad foundation, raise it from the ground, have to build a new foundation, and then reset that house back down on it. They make a lot of money because that's got to be a big job. How do you lift a house off the ground? But it has to be done. We can see what happens when a foundation, it settles and it's cracked and it has problems. It affects the whole stability of the entire home when you have a problem with the foundation. That, that the walls can begin to separate. The floor can begin to dip. The walls can crack. A good foundation is of paramount importance when it comes to building anything. And we're talking about building our lives on faith. When we place our faith in Jesus Christ, friends, we can be confident that our foundation is in him. It is strong, it is sure, and it is firm. Oh, maybe that's, am I wrong? Oh, oh, I'll say it again. Our foundation in Jesus is sure, it's strong, and it's firm. Amen? He cannot be shaken. He causes the darkness to tremble. He is strong and sure and firm. So when we place our lives on the foundation of Jesus, we can have that confidence. Okay? Hebrews 11.6 tells us, Without faith, it is impossible to please God because anyone who comes to him must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who earnestly seek him. I'm going to try a little exercise this morning. If you could just do this with... No, you don't have to get up and exercise. I want to try an exercise with you, okay? What if I told you that in a seat pocket in a random chair in this room today that there was a check for $1 million? What if I told you that? Would, would you have faith in me that that was a true statement? No, you wouldn't. <laughs> because you know I don't have a million dollars. But what if I told you that there was a random envelope in a seat pocket in this room right now that had a $50 gas card in it? Oh, that'd be nice. That'd be nice. <laughs> what if I told you that there's an envelope in one of the seat pockets in a random chair in this morning that had a $50 gas card in it? Oh, someone's starting to look. 
What if I told you that there was a yellow envelope that had a $50 gas card in it and a random seat in the room today? See, the person who took me at my word receives a blessing. Is it true? Nathan, did you find an envelope, a yellow envelope? Is there a $50 gift card in there for gas? See, God rewards those who earnestly seek him. Don't bother looking for the million dollars because it ain't there. (laughs) The person who steps out in faith receives blessings. The foundation of our relationship in Jesus is established through faith in belief. And then many of us here, we've, we've, we've come to faith. I believe a majority of us probably here and those who might be watching online, we've, we've come to faith. We are, we've been at this level, okay? This is where we've started. We've started our first faith step in our lives here with faith. But this is just the beginning. This isn't the ending. We're beginning and we're building up. And so let's continue from this infancy stage, this new birth, on and climb to the next level. The next level, the next building block is goodness, Goodness. Some translations call it virtue. Okay, goodness or virtue. Virtue, here's what it means. It means to walk in excellence of moral character. To walk in excellence of moral character. So we begin with this foundation of faith where we are born again, okay? And this is where growth begins to happen now, okay? It begins to happen as we add Goodness and virtue. We don't necessarily have it the moment we have faith. It's something that we have to add on. We add on, okay? So we begin to add this, and this is where we begin the the maturing process. At this point of adding goodness, we're at a point in our spiritual journey where we begin to establish morals and, and values and character in our lives. It begins at this stage of, of maturity in Christ. As we begin to display our faith and love for Jesus by living lives that are honoring and pleasing to him. This begins at this stage. Now, when we begin to display this, our first sign of maturity as as, as we grow in this area is we graduate out of these. As a dad of four, there was a celebration when the last child graduated out of these. Any other parents? Come on. Some parents, still have, some parents still have little ones. It's okay. Orin, it's okay. No, no judgment. <laughs> One day you will graduate out of these. Okay? So that's a sign of maturity. Spiritually, is when we graduate out of these. In other words, and we begin growing and having uh, character and moral uh, aptitude grown into our lives, we begin to leave behind the mess that's of this world. Amen. That begins to happen in this stage of growth. We start to let go of habits and addictions and all the carnal things that encompass a sin-filled life. We begin to let go of those. What we begin to say is, I don't want to live that way anymore. That was before I came to faith in Christ. That's who I used to be. And I'm choosing now. I'm going a different direction. I'm graduating on. I'm leaving the mess of this world behind. I want to leave it all behind me. And I'm going to embrace something new. That happens as we add goodness to our faith. I'm going to say this, and this is, we need to realize this. To walk in good moral character, it is a conscious decision that we make. Yeah. 
But we need to realize that we can't do it on our own. I'm going to say it again. To walk in good moral character is a conscious decision that we make. But we need to realize that we can't do it on our own. It's not our own strength. It's not our own ability. We can't do it on our own. We need to recognize that the Holy Spirit now lives and dwells inside of us. At the moment of salvation, at the moment we receive Jesus as Lord of our lives, he takes up residence in us. But not only does he take up residence in us, but he begins to empower us to overcome sin and live a a godly life for Jesus, for his purposes. That begins to take place in this section. Uh, 1 Corinthians 6, 19 through 20 says this, Don't you realize that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit? who lives in you and was given to you by God? You don't belong to yourself, for God bought you with a high price. So you must honor God with your body. It's a letting go of the old sinful desires and begin to embrace something new. The Holy Spirit will empower us. He will help us, but we make that conscious decision to pursue, to be in pursuit of lifestyles that bring honor to God into his name. The Holy Spirit will not force us. We take the initiative, but then he comes alongside. The Holy Spirit is known as the paraclete, the one who comes to help. He comes alongside of us. And aren't you grateful that the Holy Spirit works in our lives to make us more like Jesus? Because we can't do it on our own. It's not, I can't become more like Jesus on my own. It's impossible. It's the work of God. I want to pursue, but then the Holy Spirit comes alongside me and he really makes it happen. It's that partnership with the Holy Spirit. I'm grateful he's, he's there to help along the way. The Holy Spirit helps us in our growth journey, and we recognize that he helps us complete what God wants to complete in our, in our lives. Now that we're pursuing goodness and upright character in this, in this building block, in this, age of good, in this uh, stage of goodness, we need to add the next building block to our growth process, and it is of knowledge. Knowledge. We've been in the New Testament. We're going to jump to the Old Testament now. We're going to be in 1 Kings chapter 3, where uh, uh, King Solomon has a conversation with God. Earlier I read about how Jesus had a conversation with Nicodemus. Now we're going to hear about a conversation that uh, Solomon had with God. We're in 1 Kings chapter 3, verses 3 through 14. Verse 3 says, Solomon loved the Lord, and he followed all the decrees of his father, David, except that Solomon, too, offered sacrifices and burned incense at the places of worship. The most important of these places of worship was at Gibeon. So the king went there and sacrificed 1,000 burnt offerings. That night, the Lord appeared to Solomon in a dream, and God said, what do you want? Ask, and I will give it to you. Solomon replied, You showed great and faithful love to your servant, my father David, because he was honest and true and faithful to you. And you have continued to show this great and faithful love to him today by giving him a son to sit on his throne. Verse 7. Now, O Lord my God, you have made me king instead of my father David. But I am like a little child who doesn't know his way around. And here I am in the midst of all your chosen people, a nation so great and numerous they cannot be counted. Give me an understanding heart 
so that I can govern your people well and know the difference between right and wrong. For who by himself is able to govern this great people of yours? The Lord was pleased with Solomon that he had asked for wisdom, and so God replied, Because you have asked for wisdom in governing my people with justice and have not asked for long life or wealth or the death of your enemies, I will give you what you asked for, and I will give you a wise and understanding heart such as no one else has had or ever will have. And I will also give you what you didn't ask for, riches and fame. No other king in all the world will be compared to you for the rest of your life. And if you follow me and obey my decrees and my commands as your father David did, I will give you long life. So what did Solomon ask for? Wisdom. Understanding. I like like this translation, an understanding heart. He wanted knowledge. That's what he, what he asked for. How many of you could use wisdom and knowledge from the Lord? Every day. Every day. I do not want to rely on my own wisdom. And I surely don't want to lean on the wisdom that this world has to offer. This world is messed up. I'm not going to talk about it right now. I'm not, just Even outside of politics, there's just way too many. We see that our world is different than the way that God designed it. And it's being perverted. It's being turned upside down. It's being inside out and backwards. I don't want wisdom from this world. Are you kidding me? I don't want my children to have the wisdom of this world. I don't want your children to have the wisdom of this world. We need the wisdom. We need the knowledge. We need the understanding that comes from the heart of God. Amen? That's what we need. We need wisdom. Proverbs 1.7 tells us the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge, but fools despise wisdom and discipline. That says a lot. kind of sounds like our world today. Now, there's some areas that we need to grow in knowledge of. I'm going to talk about just four quickly, four areas that we need to grow in knowledge of. And the first area is this. We need to grow in the knowledge of God, the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. We need to grow in knowledge of him. And this should be the desire of every one of us who are believers as Christians, is to desire to know him more. Can we know him in his totality? It's impossible as long as we live in these flesh and blood bodies. But it should be the desire that we will know him and to know him more every day. One day we will shed this temporal body, and we will have eternal bodies, and we'll be with him, and we'll be able to grasp more than we can ever grasp on here. But it should be the desire and the pursuit of all believers that we would know our God, have a better understanding of the one that we love and the one that we serve, to know him more. That should be an area that that we can grow in our knowledge of. Another thing that we can grow in the knowledge of is the word of God. To grow and have knowledge in the word of God. It is impossible to grow in knowledge and understanding of God's word if we neglect it. If if, If we neglect it. If it's not of importance to us. The only way that we can gain knowledge from the Bible is to read it. I don't have my physical Bible here. I have my Bible on my phone right now. But it's, it, it, we have to read the Bible if we want to, if we want to, to know, if we want to listen to the Bible, to know, know God more. It's like if this is my, my Bible, right, and I have my, 
my uh, app, my Bible app on here. It's not like Star Trek. Any Star Trek fans in here? I'm more of a Star Wars guy, okay? But I'm just, sorry. It's not like you can, you can pull, a, pull a, a Star Trek and you can just like hold your Bible up to your head and say, beam it in, Scotty. <laughs> and then like by osmosis, you know, you, the Bible just all of a sudden just gets into your mind and you're able to live for, for God and it gives you this knowledge. Okay, we have to consume the word. That's what we're doing here today. We're here, we're here to learn. We're, we're to, to, to look into God's word. We're to listen to the word. We're supposed to read the word. It's an area that we all need to gain knowledge in is from the word. In fact, um, one thing I'll, I'll say is, you know, as a word of encouragement, if, if you're struggling, it's like, well, I, I, I'm a Christian, but I just, this whole Bible reading, I just don't get this. This is hard for me. If you need a jumping in point, there are 31 chapters of Proverbs. You could read a, a proverb a day. You can start to bring and take the word into your life just by reading a proverb a day, one chapter. Another place that you can, you can start and begin reading at is the Gospel of John because the Gospel of John tells about the life of Jesus while he was here on earth. And that's a great place. If, if you haven't been into the word, um, if this is something that you know, that I just don't know how to, to get in and read it, I don't understand it, those are a couple spots where you can just begin that process of, of getting into the word, okay? It's this, just begin, you gotta start somewhere. This is a good, good point to, to jump in at. Another area that we need to, to great, grow knowledge of is of our enemy. Of our enemy. Uh, Peter was right. He knew what he was talking about when he said, your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. He said that in 1 Peter 5, 8. He knew what he was talking about. He understood how the enemy worked. And we should, too, also be aware of the schemes of the enemy. What does he want to do? He wants to destroy, to kill, steal, and destroy, as we read in, in, in John. He wants to destroy us, and he looks for opportunities to do so. So not only do you be aware of who he is and his schemes, but also be aware of what our weaknesses are. And for heaven's sakes, we shouldn't try to build a house next door to him. How close, how close can I, uh, I don't know, Lord, I want to serve you, but I, I want to build a house right here next, you know. The, 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 the word says that we should separate ourselves. We should have nothing to do to walk in upright favor with God. So we need to be aware of the enemy, but we don't want to build a house next to him. Be aware. Like my daughter, I've got three daughters. They're all young adults. I want them to be smart. I try to give them words of wisdom. I'm like, okay, if, if you get off work and it's late at night, and, you're, you know, and your, your car's out in a dark area, and there's, you can't have someone walk out to your car with you. Because it, I'm trying to be, you know, wise. And it, no, no, hey, something, it's in the dark, just be, just be smart, you know. We need to be aware of the enemy because he is waiting and lying, waiting about to destroy us. So that's one area we can grow in. And the last thing we can grow in knowledge of is everyday life. You know, Solomon, when he was talking to God, he asked for knowledge pertaining to a specific thing going on in his life at that very moment, real-life situations that, that he was facing every day. He wanted to know how to decipher right from wrong and do his job better in leading God's people. And so he said, Lord, help me. I need wisdom. I don't know how to do this on my own. In fact, I thought it was interesting at the beginning of, of, of 1 Kings, that chapter, he talked about, I, I'm like a little child wandering. I don't know what I'm doing. And we're talking about, about growing in our relationship and growing as believers in Jesus is, is to, to gain knowledge. So he asked for help from the Lord, for knowledge, for everyday type, type of things. And we need that type of help from him as well in everyday life. 
So our prayer should be like that of David. Our prayer should be, Lord, give me understanding. Give me understanding every day. All right? So we've had faith, and we added goodness, and we've added now knowledge, and we're going to get to our fourth building block of the morning. We're going to add something called self-control. Why don't you watch this video with me, would you please, about self-control? All right, here's the deal. Marshmallow, for you. You can either wait, and I'll give you another one if you wait, or you can eat it now. When I come back, I'll give you two, another one, so then you'll have two. But stay in here and stay in the chair till I come back, okay? okay. All right. Do something and then I'll come back. It smells yummy. So I'm gonna leave and then I'll come back, okay? So you can either eat it right now or you can wait. Either way, okay? Okay. How'd you do? Did you do good? You did? You wanted to eat it, didn't you? Yeah. So did I tell you I'd give you another one? Okay, now you can have both. does self-control look like? I absolutely love that video. 
What does it mean to be self-controlled? 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verses 24 through 27. Do you not know that in a race all the runners run, but only one receives the prize? Run in such a way that you may seize the prize and make it yours. Now every athlete who goes into training and competes in the games is disciplined and exercises self-control in all things. They do it to win a crown that withers, but we do it to receive an imperishable crown that cannot wither. Therefore, I do not run without a definite goal. I do not flail around like one beating the air, but I strictly discipline my body and make it my slave so that after I have preached the gospel to others, I myself will not somehow be disqualified. Being self-controlled means you are self-disciplined and self-motivated. Did we just see that with those kids in those chairs? I mean, it was, they're like, oh, oh, oh. You see that one kid? He's like, I'm going to do it. No, I'm not. Put it back down. Self-control means you're self-disciplined and self-motivated. And the motivating factor in that video was if you, if you wait, if you show self-control, you get to have another one. So they didn't say you couldn't eat the first one, but, but the motivation was, ooh, if I can hold off, if I can wait, I will get a second one. Okay, Paul said, I strictly discipline my body and make it my slave. In other words, he was saying, I control my body, it does not control me. That's what Paul was saying here in 1 Corinthians. And so he uses this illustration of like an Olympic athlete who's trying to, to win this prize. See, an Olympic athlete doesn't always need their coach there 24 hours a day, seven days a week, telling them when to get up, when to go to bed, what to eat, how to train. They don't need that. You see, an Olympic athlete has their eye on the prize. And not just the bronze. I mean, they're going for the gold. They want to win the main prize. That's what they're working towards. And so they don't need the coach there 24-7 to, to tell them what to do. And as followers of Jesus, we too need to stay focused on the prize. It's knowing the guidelines and the boundaries that God has set before us and living within them. It's being self-disciplined and self-controlled. Knowing that no one can make you do anything because you are striving to make the prize yours. You have your eyes on that prize. So here's something we need to understand, and this is worth writing down just so you don't forget. Or I mean, you could tweet this. I don't tweet. You could tweet, but you know, it's one of those things that's worth worth remembering. All right, this is the, this is what we need to understand: surroundings, and situations, and people don't determine our course in life. We do. Say it again: surroundings, situations, and people do not determine your course in life. You determine it. Proverbs 16, 32 says, It is better to be patient than powerful. It is better to win control over yourself than over whole cities. You see, athletes, in their, in their pursuit of, of, of this prize that they're, they're, they're going after, they maintain healthy diets as a part of their training. They know that they cannot compete at their peak performance if all they ever eat is McDonald's and KFC and Pizza Hut and those kind of places, Taco Bell. 
They know they can't have that kind of a diet and expect that, 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 that they're going to be um, able to perform well. They know it affects their output and their progression as athletes. And it's the same for us as, as Christians. It's true that if, if we want to um, uh, grow and, and grow in the Lord, that we have to maintain a spiritual, healthy diet. We cannot consume the junk and the filth and the perversion of this world and expect that we can live for God. Thank you for believing that, brother. It's true. We cannot expect that we can feed ourselves on what this world has to offer and expect that we can live for God. In fact, in Galatians 5.16, Paul tells us, I say, live by the Spirit and you will not gratify the desires of the sinful nature. Live by the Spirit. Living by the Spirit is yielding our will to the Spirit of God rather than our sinful nature. Living by the Spirit is following His lead and His influence in our lives. Self-control. If anyone has mastered self-control in this room, raise your hand. None of us have. But we do play a responsibility. We won't master it, but we don't allow our sinful nature to master us. And with God's help, we live by the Spirit. He will help us yield our will to his, and, and we can lead his following and his influence in our life. I want to read our prescription one more time. 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 5. For this very reason, do your best to add goodness to your faith, to your goodness, add knowledge. To your knowledge, add self-control. To your self-control, add endurance. To your endurance, add godliness. To your godliness, add Christian affection. And to your Christian affection, add love. These are the qualities you need. And if you ever have them in abundance, they will make you active and effective in your knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. I'm going to ask you, uh, just as we get ready to wrap up here, the worship team can come out and join me. A takeaway, if we can take away this morning, I mean, we could spend a one week talking on each one of these building blocks. It's hard to talk about them all. We've broken up the two weeks. But if we could have a takeaway this morning is this. This would be a takeaway. Is that we should be growing daily as believers in Jesus. We should be growing daily. We, should, we shouldn't be 30 years born again, and still be in an infancy stage. It's God's expectation that we would grow. And as we begin to build and to grow in the Lord, as we begin to add these qualities and these things to our lives, we know that the Holy Spirit will help us and he will lead us in our growth journey. But it's a partnership with him. So next week, we're going to continue climbing onward and upward. We're going to look at the next four building blocks of maturity and there's a sequence to these things. There's, there's a reason why they're laid out the way that they, they are. You see, we need a foundation before we can build the walls. And the walls have to be up before we can build the roof. You can't build the foundation and then the roof. Things have to go in a sequence and a progression. And these building blocks are laid out for a reason. That's why we have to start and begin with faith. And then we begin to add good moral, moral character. And then we begin to add knowledge. And then we can build on there and we can grow in our self-control. These are all things. There's a sequence of them. And so we're going to pick up the next four next week. But would you bow your heads with me this morning? I just want us to take a moment.
and just to evaluate these four things we've talked about. I want you to personally just evaluate where, where you are in light of these first four topics.